Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Radio, where each week we talk to a musician, artist, author, or other creative Mississippian promoting the arts across the state. I'm your host, Melody Moody Thordis, Arts-Based Community Development Director with the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today in the studio, I'm talking with David Lewis, Project Specialist for the Greater Jackson Arts Council. David, thanks so much for joining us in the studio today. Happy to be here. Great. Well, first, you know, before we talk about the work that you do with the Greater Jackson Arts Council, um, I'd like for you to just tell tell us a little bit about yourself. You grew up in Jackson, is that right? That's true. I grew up in Bellhaven. My mom actually grew up in Bellhaven as well. So I'm a third, second, third generation Bellhavenite. Um, I went to high school at Jackson Academy and got my bachelor's degree in architecture at Mississippi State University. So the only years I've ever spent outside of Jackson living were in Starville. And then you came back here for the fifth year. Exactly. So fifth year is spent in Jackson downtown at the uh, fifth year studio on Capitol Street. Um, And that's really where my love for the city of Jackson really flourished and developed. So tell me a little bit more about growing up in Jackson. I know you have a deep love for this city. Um, you know, having left and come back sometimes helps, you know, with that passion. But tell me just a little bit about um, your your passion for Jackson, where that came from, and, you know, kind of walk me through. Is that from growing up? Like you said, I mean, it was re- reignited, I think, Absolutely. I'm hearing you say. Yeah, so a, a lot of my time growing up was spent around the arts and really around different parts of Jackson. Um Bellhaven is a great neighborhood where everything is right around the corner, essentially. You can go to day school, you can go to church, you can get married, you can go to college, you can go to high school and junior high. Everything is right there in the neighborhood. So I grew up, you know, spending a Sunday afternoon mowing the lawn for a few dollars, then would walk with my best friend to Bellhaven University to the bookstore to get the latest CD. Then we'd turn the corner and we'd head down to Brent's for a milkshake in the afternoon. So all of that being right at the doorstep was a great example of of a neighborhood developed um, that led to the work that I do now for the city as well as an, as an urban planner. Okay, fantastic. So I'm curious, what led you to the pursuit of architecture? What made you kind of go in that direction? Great question. You know, my mom says that I wanted to be an architect since the age of three, but really I remember it as getting my first camera and being fascinated with photographing buildings from all over. My family would get frustrated with me because they were like, you would never, you never take photos of us. You always take photos of buildings. I was always looking up and looking around. And so I specifically remember taking to a trip to Miami and seeing this building in which the middle of it had a giant hole in the building. And then it, it was painted red inside with the yellow staircase. And it was this one person got to experience that space, but everyone else that saw it also got to experience from the outside. So I was just fascinated with creativity in a space like that that was unexpected and new. So... In the in the with the idea that the fifth year architecture program at Mississippi State, like you said, is downtown Jackson. So tell me about some of the things that you did while you were there, or sh- shortly thereafter, that kind of helped reignite this this passion and things. I know that having 
known a lot of people that have gone through that program. There are so many interesting projects that Absolutely. go on at that school. So one of the things we did first was we had a four-week intensive class about urban design. Uh, Professor Callender took us through a really fast-paced class, but one of the projects we did was a manifesto for Jackson in the next 100 years. We would look at Jackson and say, how do we see it in the future? Or how can we create uh, things to happen or set boundaries that will make it a successful, thriving mid-sized city in 100 years? So my team, we spent two days just driving around Jackson. Uh, my roommate and I, were, we were both from Jackson, so we showed the other four around the city and the surrounding cities, and we just took the city in. And we made a proposal that we were really proud of, but it got us into the city pretty immediately. And then following that, my roommate and I did a group project, which isn't normally done, but they let us do it for this case, in which we looked at Bellhaven Heights and we said, Bellhaven Heights and some of these surrounding neighborhoods are disconnected from a pedestrian and human scale perspective to downtown. So we wanted to look at ways that architecture could influence and change that. So we took uh, this uh, project that was, you know, of course, uh, fake and, you know, ideal, but we, we took the property at the intersection of Jefferson and High Street, and we reimagined it as a community center that had a lot of mixed use, but served also as a place that the neighborhood was proud of. 50% of our site was intentionally done uh, dedicated to site work, so outdoor public space. What does that look like? And it's on a bluff, uh, and so we had to figure out how to make that ADA accessible as well. So uh, we just had a lot of fun. Really, we worked with the community, the community association there in Bellhaven Heights. We did surveys. We did installations, interventions in the park to ask the citizens of this neighborhood, what do you want to see here? And and that empowered them to help us know what to put there. We weren't going to say, we're architects, we think this goes here. But we were looking at what they needed, what they saw in their community, and then we said, okay, we have some design solutions to address that. And so that was my first interface really with uh, public interventions and placemaking and installations kind of in the public space. Um, but I know recently the Bellingham Heights Community Association is working to implement a lot of those things we, we suggested into their park. And so they just, uh, I think, announced some plans or working on some plans uh, to make that go forward. Right. So what I what I hear you describing is almost like a mini charrette or like a theoretical almost charrette. Absolutely. Where you're going through those steps with the community Seeing what they want and then suggesting, you know, some potential design solutions to some of the problems that they have identified for themselves. Is that exactly? Right? And I think that's the way that the future of development in general is going. Is it, you have to be certain that the community is a vital part of that, and and it makes sure that any development that happens in a city or a neighborhood or a community is not just a moment in time, but something that is sustainable over time because it endears the community to that development. They start to take care of it or promote it and invest in it as well. And you have a development that is much more significant and much more long lasting over the course of history. For those just joining us, I'm Melody Moody Thordis with the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today on the Arts Hour, I'm talking with David Lewis about his passion for Jackson and his work with the Greater Jackson Arts Council. 
So, David, tell me a little bit more about the Greater Jackson Arts Council. Some people may be familiar with arts councils across the state and what they do. Obviously, each one is different. So tell us a little bit more about the Greater Jackson Arts Council, what you guys do, what your vision is. Absolutely. So I work as a project specialist for the Greater Jackson Arts Council. I've been there for about two years. It started out as merely a summer internship, and they liked me enough to keep me going. So uh, a lot of the work that we do is re-granting. So we are able to uh, give grants to individual artists, organizations, businesses, communities, whatnot, um, for arts-related projects, whether it's a neighborhood festival or an opening of an art show or a public art project, or teacher supplies for an art class. Um, we have all different types of grants. They're on our website, um, and they're rotating every year. So a lot of that is what we do. That's the significant and probably most impactful part of what we do. But we also do a lot of special programming for artists. So we want to make sure that we're putting out programming for artists in the community that propels our overall arts community. So. We look to bring in thought leaders um, on, on art. So we've brought in Lovia Ajayi, who's an author um, who wrote a fantastic book called I'm Judging You, the Do Better Manual. And she came in and talked to students about keeping a clean online profile. But then that night she gave her story and she's a hilarious storyteller. And so we enjoyed that night with her. And we've also brought in uh, the CEO of Kickstarter talking about innovative, uh, creative ways to uh, crowdsource for all sorts of projects. Um, so we make sure that all of our programming is accessible to all different types of people and always including different audiences each time. So we're, we try not to go to the same place every time or engage the same audience. We try to make sure that our, our speakers and our lecturers uh, are in front of the people that need to hear it or the people who want to hear it. So whether that's getting students involved or putting out free tickets online or, you know, we, we do a myriad of options so that uh, our programming is varied but effective. Sounds like a lot of what you do is creating resources and connecting people. Yes. Right? Like not just the grants, giving them the actual financial resources, but things like crowdsourcing and connecting them to different things Absolutely. in the community. Absolutely. Giving them the tools and the inspiration to do the things that they want to do. Um, and then one of the other really cool things that I get to work on is public art. And so that's something that I started to bring to the table as I came in. There's a history of it with the Arts Council, but there wasn't a clear initiative. And so I've been working for the past year, year and a half to really develop that. Um, and so a lot of it is is engaging communities and bringing arts to the public space. Okay, fantastic. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit more about some of those specific public art projects, but um, I'm I'm curious about before we move on to that, um, some of the resources that you have found to be the most helpful that people um, and it's the Greater Jackson Arts Council, so it's. Right. The city of Jackson and Hines County, correct? Yes, correct. So it's the city of Jackson and Hines County. It's been around for, I think now, 37 years. I came in at its 35th anniversary, and now we're going at 37 years. Um, so we receive funding from all different types. Um, and we like to really engage with our funders as well and make sure that they are aware of our programming and are involved in it, and we can be involved in their ideas and their thoughts. 
as well. So whether it's something the mayor has an idea about or something that Visit Jackson has an idea about, we want to make sure that arts is a part of their conversations at all times. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Radio. Each week on the Arts Hour, different representatives from the Mississippi Arts Commission speak with individuals who are helping to foster excellence in the arts in Mississippi. Today, our guest is David Lewis, Project Specialist for the Greater Jackson Arts Council. Wow, it is so perfect that you just played Fortification by Johnny Berntram because it's really where you can trace the beginnings of my love for public art. So growing up, my dad's office used to be right off of Fortification and Whitworth. And there was a house uh, right next door that has all sorts of animals and creatures painted on it. And was painted right as I was growing up. Patrick Grogan painted that house. Exactly. And so it was, I remember seeing it go up. My parents were like, this is crazy, you know. And I was like, no, it's like the best thing ever. And, and it being so close to my dad's office and me seeing it so often, I think that's where my first love of public art and painting on surfaces really began because that's the first example of that that I can think of. Well, I remember when that went up, too. That's fantastic. Patrick Grogan would be so thrilled to hear you say that. I know that house, you you know, some people love it. Some people yeah. aren't quite sure what to think, think about it. Ever. But you're right. It was also happened at a time before public art was as much in kind of the public conversation. Absolutely. You know, obviously, it, it really was happening, was. and you have, you know, graffiti artists. You have kind of the building of public art throughout time. Certainly. But right now, I think we're in a particularly um, nice time with placemaking and conversations about public spaces that it's really um, a great opportunity for public art to thrive. It really is. And it's a place where artists have the power to hold the conversation and they can dictate that in a lot of ways. And so that's a lot of what I'm interested in is is taking the interest and the drive behind public art these days and putting it into the court of the arts community and saying, how do you want to drive this? You know, but I think that there's collaboration. So while we look at artists and look for artists to help us dictate this, we also look for the private sector or the public sector to help us know what they want and really look specifically at the communities involved and what do they want to see? How do we represent them? How do we project into the future? How do we do something that they're proud of in the end? Yeah, and something that I like to say, I mean, you know, my title at, at the Arts Commission is Arts Based Community Development. So it is very much this thing, using the arts as a tool for community development. And so often it's working with um, these other players, you know, across sector, working with the private sector, working with businesses, working with government to say it's not just about these are the artists and then these are these other segments. It's how do we find those intersections, you know, between the two. And then something that really strikes me, you know, when you are talking about what the community wants to see, I also think it's important to say, you know, that the community themselves is part of it, right? It's not just saying, what do you want us to do for you? But it's what we can do together. Absolutely. We just did an amazing project that really talks to that. We just did this community paint day downtown. There's a, a wall of an old abandoned building that the city owns right across from the convention center. And 
for a while, I had just, you know, seen that wall. It needed a good pressure washing and a coat of paint. And I was like, wow, I wonder if we can really do something with this. Well, it turned out that we had some leftover paint from a project that didn't quite come to fruition for the Mississippi Mile. And uh, we had the donation of the paint. And then the city was really eager to do a service Saturday. So we brought the players together, as, as we talked about a minute ago, and we said, you know, what if we looked at this wall and said, what would the community want to envision Jackson? What's really cool about this piece of property is it's right across the convention center. Like I said, where all those empty lots are, they're mostly owned by the city or JRA and the city right now is working to rethink that space and, and reanalyze how do we develop this in a way that is beneficial to every person in the city of Jackson, but also progresses the city of Jackson. They're doing an event on June 30th with the planning department at the convention center called D3. And it's a downtown design design dialogue. And everyone is invited to come participate in a public charrette. Um, But what we wanted to do before then was to simply figure out what people think about Jackson in a positive way. Uh, A lot of what I do is making sure that the dialogue and the way that people talk about Jackson is positive because we can be so negative. And so what we did was we painted the word Jackson on the wall beforehand, and then we invited anyone and everyone out on a Saturday morning. We had all different types of colored paint, and we took our brushes and we painted positive words about Jackson. The mayor was there. Council people were there. Uh, it was people of all ages, from three to 92. It was it was all around and all inclusive. And we had all types of words in different languages. We even had somebody write in sign language on the wall, like the symbols. And so everything on that wall is all about positive things in Jackson. So it's about how the community views itself, like you said, and and gets them to participate in that art as well. So you mentioned the sign language. I'm just curious, um, because I know you have a favorite or (laughs) something that stands out to you. Is there anything that was written on that wall that really just stuck with you? There was one guy who came in and painted the word love in Hebrew on the wall. And that was one thing that really just struck me. And he did this, he just kept working at it and he kept adding to it and it just got better and better. And it ultimately became the hair, the, the fro of this, this character that he created. He had the face. And so love is kind of growing out of his head, but it's so creative and so wonderful just to see something that is not the typical, um, you know, Jackson is great or Jackson is awesome. But to see something in another language that's inclusive, but something so powerful as love was just really remarkable and stuck out to me. So uh, speaking of things that are uh, not quite what you might think of, tell me a little bit about this public art project at the airport. Yes. So we're very excited about this. Um, We've been working for about a year with the airport to get public art involved. Um, Mr. Newman, who is the CEO over there, um, formerly worked at various airports that had entire public art divisions, and he's really hoping to have that here at the Jackson Airport, and there's so many surfaces for that. And they're working right now on a bathroom renovation project, but as a part of that, they've asked us to help them uh, acquire art from artists of portraits of famous Mississippians. So we've put out a public call for art. Um, You can go to our website to get the application. And we're asking people to submit designs of one of the names on the list. And so to really showcase bold, colorful, bright uh, 
expressions of these artists, B.B. King, Oprah Winfrey. And so what we want to see is these really remarkable, dynamic um, proposals from artists that are in Mississippi. And then four artists will be selected to do a two pairs of these portraits that will sit in the bathroom entrances. So you'll see these striking portraits of famous Mississippians right as you either exit the airplane or you get in the hallway to, to head to get your luggage. So it'll be very captivating in, in these uh, terminals and a very prominent spot in the airport. So we're very excited about that. Well, one of my favorite things is finding art in unexpected places. Yes. So I, I particularly <laughs> love this, this idea. So um, tell me a little bit about um, kind of, I think, one of your first public art projects um, when you're coming into Jackson. Yes. So last year, uh, we worked really hard to get a Welcome to Jackson mural. You see them all over large, booming cities. And and murals are a significant part of really economic development these days. If you look at Nashville and Austin and Houston and really any city, Seattle, California, public art is an incredibly engaging way to draw people in and to change the way they look at something. Placemaking is a part of that. Um, And so as the museums were about to open, we wanted to make sure that we rolled out the red carpet for everyone who drove over Pearl Street. And so uh, I worked with Downtown Jackson Partners who provided the funding for this. And uh, we we immediately identified the Gadow uh, Tyler Law Office as that wall that you see right as you get over that bridge, and and I spoke to the late John Gadow and he was so amazing about immediately saying yes, and that's what really struck me about this project, as especially because he passed about a week or so after the project was finished, was that he was such a shining example of the power and the influence of saying yes to something that is not normal. And how that can really change an entire community. And so to hear the mayor say, you know, so much about the Welcome to Jackson mural, it's on the city's website, it's it's everywhere now. And so that was such an amazing reaction to a project like that, that I knew was going to happen, but... You know, you don't really know until you see it happen. And so it's been encouraging to see that. But now everybody wants murals, which is fantastic. If this city was painted in nothing but murals and art, we've done something right. So I want to talk a little bit about um, this idea of what you and I keep referring to as placemaking. So for people who who aren't sure what that is, you know, at Mac, we have a, a creative placemaking initiative. And the way I define it. Um, within our initiative is the arts and culture bringing together different sectors in a way that results in participatory, one, representational, and place-based community improvements. So we talked a little bit about, you know, these intersections. You could say intersections, you know, between health, transportation, safety. There's a lot of different things um, where you're partnering with different organizations and then using kind of arts and culture as a tool. So I say that because, you know, you and I kind of being in that world, you know, we use the terminology creative placemaking, but so that our listeners understand, you know, the concept that we're discussing. And I think something that's particularly important in placemaking, in my opinion, is that so often, I'm curious if this is your experience, so often it's more about the process 
than even the product itself. Absolutely. You know, I think that really what I look at with placemaking has to do with, like you said, the process and then what comes after. Um, so, and, and the kind of unprogrammed aspects of a, a placemaking piece. So you have the process and it's so vital to a community because you get all these players involved and sometimes you get new players to the table that then suddenly establish a relationship with the community that wasn't there before. And then you have the community who didn't know even the capabilities of what they had with like the talent they may have had lying within their own community. But then after that, how does the community utilize this space or what happens afterwards? I think of a large scale placemaking project being the High Line and and there's an entire chapter of this Highline book that I have that's all about what happened afterwards. And they talk about the bees, the Highline bees, because now you can get honey on the Highline. And the Highline is where? It's in New York City, and uh-huh. it's a elevated parkway. And so they've a park has now resulted in serenades every Monday night off of balconies and honey. Uh, honey from local bees, but that can be scaled down as well. So we see something like the Welcome to Jackson mural has an impact across the globe as people come in, came in from the St. Paddy's Day Parade, took their photograph in front of it and posted it on social media, or we see uh, people shooting their music videos in front of it. You know, it has to do with every aspect of creative culture, and it seeps into every aspect of life as well. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Radio. Each week on the Arts Hour, different representatives from the Mississippi Arts Commission speak with individuals who are helping to foster excellence in the arts across Mississippi. Today, our guest is David Lewis, Project Specialist for the Greater Jackson Arts Council. So, David, before the break, we were talking a little bit about the idea of creative placemaking as a term um, for using the arts as a tool for community development, if you will. Um, And you and I were talking earlier about the idea of a charrette. So I'm going to ask you as the architect of the room um, to to kind of explain just just briefly what that is, because, again, we kind of use that term. But Certainly. A charrette is usually... um a period of time in which a lot of design ideas are put forward. So this can be a day, two days, or uh, two weeks. So in architecture school, we did one that lasted two weeks. But mostly, um, for the sake of the practical world, they uh, usually last a day or two days. And so what happens is you get a lot of people to the table who may or may not be involved in design, but have some sort of stake in the project, and you pair them with designers or arts people, um, and you say, how do we address this issue, whether it's city planning or uh, a small development or something as large as the property across from the convention center, and even something as small as just a mural, what ideas do you want to bring to the table? And charrettes are really great ways to get a lot of ideas out fast and to come to a resolution about a design project. Um, so would you say that in that process that a lot of it is not just identifying certain problems, needs, I should say, and potential solutions, but also kind of acts as a visioning workshop almost? For sure. So it gets a lot of people um, educated about a project and then helps them realize how can we cast forward. So while it may not result in a uh, a physical piece in the end that you can go execute. It may just be as simple as creating a vision for something uh, like downtown 
uh, development or how do you want to see the streetscapes around a town? Like I think maybe you've been involved in some that are walking, biking tours. How do we address sidewalks and uh, our infrastructure to make it more human scale rather than vehicular? Right. And that's something that to me, I mean, whatever terms you choose to use, that what we're really talking about is place. Yes, right? it is. A, a sense of place, communities, what they themselves want to see created in their public spaces. Absolutely. And what's great about it, too, is that um, bringing the, the design profession to the table allows for the introduction of solutions for, that may be in practice now. They may not work for a community always because everything doesn't work everywhere, but it is a great way to help a community, say, if they have an issue with uh, accessible um, bus stops, uh, then the design community can say, actually, you know, there, what do you think about this option where this is addressed in this manner? Maybe there's um, covering that's that's addressed a certain way, or it's sustainable in this way and lasts longer and doesn't have glass that could be broken out or, or doesn't have to be upkept a lot, but is something that the community can be proud of and, and utilize but still address the needs that they have. One of the one of my favorite examples to give um, in this particular realm, when people ask me, you know, what is placemaking, or or what do you mean using the arts to kind of you know shift something forward in a community? And one of the best examples, uh, and the things that I just like to see in general, is the idea of a painted crosswalk. Right. So yes. if you have a dangerous intersection and maybe the community has identified that as a need and doesn't quite know what they can do to make it safer rather than just the typical painted crosswalk, you might work with a local artist yes. to draw more attention to that crosswalk in a more interesting way that both cars, pedestrians, and the general public starts to engage with in a different way. Absolutely. There's a great project of that here, actually, where the Arts Council gave a grant to Scott Allen and Justin Ransberg, and they did a walk-to-school project, and they worked with the kids to spray paint all sorts of critters and creatures on the ground in bright colors. And not only does that make crossing the street feel safer and a much better experience for the kids, and they had a part in making that happen. But it also instructs the driver to be alert because all of a sudden they see something that's not asphalt or white, and they're like, wait a minute, A, this looks really cool, or B, this looks like I need to pay attention to it, and it also clearly looks like kids are crossing here. So they, they're more likely to pay attention and drive a lot more slower and carefully if they see that on the ground. And I think, I mean, that goes back to what you were saying about, like, the Welcome to Jackson mural, for example. You know, I talk to a lot of people about this idea of public art, and they say, well, we don't need another mural, or what is a mural going to do? But I think that that and other types of public art that we're describing is saying it's not just a mural, right? It's, it's not. A you're place. actually, you're absolutely right. And so one thing I've heard a lot of the feedback from the Welcome to Jackson mural is that so many people that park in and around that place, they tell me all the time, they're like, that mural makes my walk so much better. I don't mind walking back to my car because I can see that on the way or the way back. And another thing that people have started to ask about, and what's great is when you get a, a community thinking about 
their public spaces and they have ideas and you're getting the community involved and bought into that. So I hear people all the time, they're like, can we make the piece of property in front of that a park? Or can we make it more open in some way or somewhere where you can sit and it's nice? If they're thinking about that, rather than where they're going to park, we've done something well. And so hearing that sort of feedback shows that a mural is not only just a painting on the wall, but it goes beyond that. It just goes so much further than that. And I would guess that it also, that you also have people saying to you, I have an idea for one, or here's yes. what's something we can do in West Jackson or South Jackson exactly. or different parts of the city as well. And that's another great point that you bring up. What the Welcome to Jackson mural has done for us is allowed for us to have conversations beyond the downtown space. That's what I'm really about is that we want art not just in downtown, but all over the city of Jackson. And it will take time to get to that point, but we're getting very close to that. And so what's exciting is that people want the murals, they want to be a part of it, and they want to donate to it. And so we're able to pair them with the project that fits right for them, but has an impact in all different communities in Jackson, not just downtown, not just in Fondren, but in South Jackson at a park. We just did a project, a community paint day in November with an artist from Nashville who was down working with Heinz uh, Community College, their art department. And she was like, if you give me a wall, I've got the paint. And so I worked with uh, Ronnie Crudup Jr. And we found this wall at a park called Tennis Court South. And it was just a literally a random wall. And we painted it white on both sides. And they came out and they and she did, did all the outlines for this thing. And then we invited all sorts of community players to the table. And kids came out and sorority groups came out and family reunions came out to paint and be a part of that paint day. And so we've turned something that was just a wall that we don't don't really know why it was there. You might not notice. Or you might not notice. And it's taken it to something that is... uh, a place where you want your picture taken or you want to post that on your, you know, Facebook cover photo or whatever it is, it becomes a part of the community and part of the city overall. And that's something that I'm glad you touched on that because the the words that come to mind is community pride. Yes. You know, it changes from something you might not notice to something that you then, you know, the next day practically Absolutely. are taking pride in and showing off. Absolutely. You know, Jackson, uh, not everybody talks great about Jackson. A lot of people do, but not a lot of people do as well. So we're all about increasing civic pride. And public art is a phenomenal way, and placemaking is a phenomenal way to do that because it gives people a piece of the action and a piece of that making a place better. Absolutely. So um, in addition to the projects we've already talked about, tell me about some of the other things you're working on. I know you have a big hand in um, what people love. I work downtown. People love Food Truck Friday. So tell me about that kind of getting restarted and and where it's gone. Well, Food Truck Friday is is a great example of placemaking. It was started by the city several years ago, and the Arts Council took it under its wing, and we've uh, revamped it a little bit and made sure it was stronger and more regular so that people knew when to expect it. So every second Friday of the month, you can head over to Smith Park and we'll have 
between 10 and 13 food trucks. You know, it started out as, you know, maybe two to five, and now we have almost a dozen each time, and over a 1,000 people show up each week. And that sounds like a lot, but I promise the lines aren't that bad, (laughs) and the food is definitely worth it. So we usually theme it each week. So we've done uh, I Believe in Jackson Week, and that was in conjunction with Visit Jackson's Tourism Week, and so we invited all the attractions out. We've had artists painting in the park before. We just did uh, Dog Days of Summer, so you could bring your dogs down, and we had uh, water in bowls, and we had little treats for them. So we like to make it a lot of fun and something different each time that you come. Yes, well, I, my, me and everyone at the at the Mississippi <laughs> Arts Commission always looks very much forward to um, the Food Truck Friday, and I love that it has a different theme because that really keeps it new each time, it you does. know, and, and builds a level of excitement. Um, so in addition to the work you're doing with the Greater Jackson Arts Council, I know that you are just super involved in uh, community projects that excite you, and yes. you work with a lot of different groups. So tell me about some of the work you've done with maybe Team Jackson or Certainly. Um, any any project you'd like to, to tell us more about. So I work with Team Jackson, and I'm the vice chairman of the board of directors. So what Team Jackson is is a, an organization geared completely around promoting positive things happening in Jackson. It started with Downtown Jackson Partners about four or five years ago and was basically a quarterly luncheon uh, sort of system where every you know couple months they had a developer come in and talk about a project happening in Jackson. And so Ben Allen asked me to come on board to kind of give it some youth and kind of bring some energy to it. And so myself, along with a lot of other really amazing Uh, people on our steering committee that are young and full of energy. We work really hard to make sure that uh, the things that we're promoting may not just be about development at a large scale, but at a community scale. We had a luncheon at the medical mall all about the work that they were doing with the placemaking grant that they got. Or uh, we just did one um, at Up and Farms that was all about the food industry and really amazing and innovative ways that food is being harvested and uh, distributed, and then also uh, ways that um, the food industry is training young people to be leaders in the food industry and have jobs that otherwise they may not have. And so uh, Up in Farms and Refill Cafe were two of the projects that were highlighted with that one. But we also try to make sure that we're, we have our hands in just about everything. We, if there's an event going on or... Um, a project coming up, usually someone that's involved in Team Jackson is involved in that project in some way. Whether it's myself or any of our board of directors or our steering committee, we, we like to be very involved in helping advocate and promote all things positive in Jackson. And so it's a really amazing way to get plugged in, especially if you're new to the city or if you just have a passion for the city, to stay informed and be plugged in with a good group of people. So... You can answer this question any way you want because I know you are involved in so many different projects. But as someone who, one, is passionate about positive things in Jackson and, two, kind of has their finger on the pulse of a lot of things that are happening, I'm curious, what are some of the most exciting projects happening in Greater Jackson or even Mississippi that you are or aren't a part of that kind of strike you or you you find fascinating? Certainly. You know, what I'm really inspired by right now is a lot of the work that the planning department is doing. Uh, Dr. Kumar is the current director over there. 
Um, he was appointed by the mayor, and he was a former professor of mine. Um, but as I like to say, he gets it, and he um, understands a, the way that Jackson really needs to work hard to to move forward, he's bringing innovative people and innovative ideas to the table. And the team over there, some of them new, some of them that have been there for a while, are working so hard to bring some really amazing innovative ideas and projects forward with transportation and development and community development, safe neighborhoods, all of these things, they're working really hard. And while I know that sometimes it gets uh, hard to sit through and, and wait around, Things, you know, pay attention to what they're doing. You can find them on Facebook or you can go to the D3 uh, event uh, on June 30th to hear a little bit more about it. But they're really doing some amazing work. So that along with, you know, the IBC has been going on. So there's some really cool things happening downtown with beautification and little ways that like outside of the art center we just did about a $19,000 renovation with the Community Foundation for Mississippi to revitalize just a small courtyard with some bistro lighting. But there's some really small but heavily impactful ways that the city is changing the narrative and changing the conversation through arts and through placemaking. Well, David, thanks so much for joining us. And real quick, can you give us the website or where people can find the Greater Jackson Arts Council? Certainly. You can find us on Facebook at the Greater Jackson Arts Council, or you can head to our website, www.greaterjacksonartscouncil.com. Great. And thanks for listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour. And a special thanks again to my guest, David Lewis. If you missed part of the interview or want to listen again, go to mpbonline.org backslash Mississippi Arts Hour.